Welcome to Tuke Talk, a video podcast by the band Tuke, and brought to you by Blackfrog Media. We chat with the best in the music industry from yesterday and today with a focus on the good old days of Canadian rock. This episode originally streamed live on Tuesday, May 12, 2020 on Facebook Live. Now, here are your hosts, Todd, Brent, Shane, Corey, and Darren. So we got guest number two. Mm. Number two. All right. Brent, why don't you uh, why don't you introduce him? Where is uh, where is guest number two? Right here. Coming. Oh, he's going to get a guitar. I like that. Awesome. Uh, is, uh, so what's oh, awesome our is, second guest uh, is uh, our second guest is actually well, he's she's just down the street from Todd, which is ten minutes from me that's in right, Vegas, actually. and uh, another fellow Canadian. And uh, and another another Ontario guy, so Derry from Ontario originally, and then the legendary Jason Hook from okay. Ontario. Ontario. Can you guys see me? I can't see you. I can't see me. I can only see you guys. Me. I can see you guys. You're looking sexy. How does it work? Hold on. Let me tap on some stuff here. Tap. Oh, there I am. Okay. Tap. 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 What are you playing there for us today? You are. You playing for uh, playing something know. for us? That's my security. It's like more of a security blanket than anything else. Okay. Where is that? I get fidgety. Oh, this is uh, Yamaha. Ah, nice. Oh, nice. I, um, I have uh, I have almost as many. Well, I shouldn't say that, but I have a pretty good collection of acoustics because I just love playing acoustic guitar. That's amazing. Is that your oh. studio there, Jason? Is that have you got like a home studio going on in there as well? Oh, you know I do. <laughs> Who doesn't anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, but is it anything like Shane Gallus's Pornhub? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, he's he's got us all Trump. I mean, I, I um, he's got the, he's got the square footage. He does indeed. He's got the yeah, well, we know Simi Valley or the Valley in general is the porn capital of. What did you call it, Simon uh, Valley? Great. Oh, 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 oh no. The San Fernando Valley. Wow. Not San Fernando. Yeah. You know San what? Fernando. I got to say, I've been to Jason's house, and that studio there is really, really inspiring. You did a yeah. good job, my friend. Yeah. Thanks. I, um, you know, uh, I figured there's, there's wants, needs, and tools. And so I always directed my my earnings towards tools and kind of left the wants like there was a you know like some kind of uh, Egyptian cotton throw rug that was $14,000 that's a want that's a want yeah I don't even want that I'm just that's a terrible example but that would be like yeah. way down on the list yeah. I was like tools are a good way to learn and uh you know, you can make products with tools. You know what's cool, Jason? Uh, you and Corey are probably the most prolific, um, you know, studio cats that I know. But you also are, like, computer-wise. I remember when, so you and I go way back, you know, when we played in a lot of bands together. But the first yeah. time I came over to your house, you had a whole really killer computer setup. And you were doing, like, some graphic stuff. And, like, you've always been good with, you know, technology and... and uh, embrace that well thank you it's it's i always just you know the more uh, skill set you have the the less you need to rely on other people 
right? So, um, you know, I was doing websites in the early 2000s. I taught myself how to do websites. Um, well, I, did, I had a guy that was much better than me, and he showed me, he fast-tracked me to learn how to do websites. And then I started um, selling websites to people and running their websites and hosting no money their websites. That. And I, I was... Uh, <laughs> Not now, but back it was back then. Yeah, in the dot com boom, um, I was the go to guy. I was working for uh, at surgeons and real estate guys, and I mean, I was doing corporate websites um, out of my apartment. And uh, what I realized is that I had every little thing they wanted to change. Hey, I, can you make this blue today? And I have a brand new photograph I'd like to update. And then you start to realize that these guys are uh, powerless over their own business website because they have to rely on somebody else. Can you guys and, relate to that at all? And <laughs> so I've always just been... <laughs> <laughs> Darren's saying that because he does all of our web stuff. Well, I, exactly. you know, all of it's, it. It's, it's an arduous, thankless task. I mean, doing the website, especially now with the way social media kind of took over, where you don't really need to have your own website anymore. Okay, that's enough with Jason um, today. Uh. <laughs> <and> it, yes. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Well, trust me. I mean, I have, I have a few of my own websites, but it's like it's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. When did so, you guys meet? Like, when was this era? Brent Fitz and I. Yeah. Did you guys in America or in Canada? Did you guys know yeah. each other from Canada? Yeah, so no. I didn't know Jason as on the Canadian bar circuit because you were mostly in Ontario, right, touring, and oh. I was mostly on the West Coast. So coast to we coast. kind of we really? we um, bumped into each other in Los Angeles. I met yeah. all my all my cool Canadian friends. I met in America. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Uh, well, you know why? Because a lot of Canadians would move to Los Angeles, so there was a pool. But yeah. and in and Vegas, in mm -hmm. fact. But in Canada, you would never meet other Canadians unless they were in your town. Because you uh, never, yeah. I never traveled. I did travel, but I didn't make friends in Canada. I was just playing bars that has strip clubs at night. That would have taken you west, like back in the late eighties. Well, when I was in when I was in Canada, I had an original band that worked really hard. We eventually got signed to Electra Records, and we were we spent three or four months in Los Angeles making a record with Bo Hill. And as soon as we turned in the record, uh, we got dropped. So you can only imagine how that I felt. Love that. Yeah, I love that. Mm, thanks for your thanks for the hard work. Um, is that and what so, brought you to Los Angeles in the first place? We were talking about this earlier. Is that how you ended up going to Los Angeles in the first place? Did that, that bring you to very, That was my very first experience in Los Angeles. And I just, I felt the energy there. And I felt the tremendous amount of activity as far as yeah. the entertainment hub of the country, you know, and kind of the world, too. I mean, Los Angeles, right? right. So, um, I just, w when things went sideways with that record deal and that band and all that, I thought, I just got to figure out how to get back to Los Angeles. I don't know anybody there. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but it's a lot. I, I, I think that that's a, that I, everyone, if I stay in Canada now as a dropped artist, 
Right. I'm going to end up playing Jack Sugar Shack, uh, <laughs> you know, or um, right, brown eyed girl, or, or like working in a warehouse or something. I mean, I couldn't stomach the thought, so I thought, you know, having had seen Los Angeles and and what was going on there, I said, I just got to get back there right away. Mm-hmm. So I literally pa- I packed up my Dodge Colt, had two hundred bucks, and I just beeline for L.A. with wow. no wow. plan. <laughs> wow! Did you have a visa or? Are you just no? I of course I not. Suck into the country. Yeah, I have a passport now, so I can say <laughs> I suck into the country. <laughs> <laughs> but my my dear old dad, uh, he had you know my dad's this old guy. He had his car was loaded up with my Marshall and my guitars and four twelve and the whole thing in the trunk. <laughs> and as soon as like I went across the border like this rock and roll guy, right? And they're kind of like, where are you going? I'm going shopping. I'm just going to go buy some records, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they looked at me and they kind of asked me a bunch of questions. Then they let me through. And then my dad, he's like, I'm going to buy cigars at the, you know, half price. So they let him in. So we, then we met down the street, a mile down the street, we pulled into a gas station, put all my gear into my Dodge Colt, ah, and I just sure. I gave him a hug. I said, okay, I'll call you when I get there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> See ya. Wow. That is genius. Hard. I think a lot of us have that story, though. It's like the border's kind of scary and daunting, but, well, you know, I got blo- got to get creative. They caught me going. To, I tried to fly to L.A. originally, yeah. um, and they and I was young and naive, and they asked me all these questions. Well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do there? I'm going to down there to make it. <laughs> you said that. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever worked in the States before? And I got well, because we had the band signed to Electra, we had done gigs and showcase. So oh. I said uh, yeah, yeah, I have. No, I've played shows. Red and flag. Red flag. Yeah, and they're like, okay, Uh-oh. cool. Here's going to this room over here, get gloves hurt <laughs> by fucking Doc Super Lube. And uh, they put a huge X on my plane ticket. And then oh, there, was, there was no, and then my name was in the computer, and there was no getting. I could not fly there. But it worked out better because drive, even though the drive there was, it, it took three or four days, uh, I had a car there, which was good. Yeah. But what happened if you ever had to come back? Like, I'm sure at some point you had to go back and then. Well, I didn't go back. I didn't go. I didn't mess with that again for a very long time. But what what I did do and uh, what I did do right away is I I I got my O1 visa, which I think is a three year visa. It cost a couple grand. I had a producer friend of mine that sponsored me. I started working with this producer, Bo Hill. Right. Right. And. he was gracious enough to fill out all the paperwork and say, Jason will be working for me as a studio cat and, uh, and I'm, I'm going to employ him under my company, blah, 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 which was all bullshit. So that's, um, yeah. And then I, uh, got the lawyer, Involved, and then we got the O one. Mm-hmm. I think we're all unanimous. We've all dealt with the O one, right, guys? Oh, yeah. the trade. Well, because it's it was two or three thousand bucks, and it was good every. It was only good for three years. So three every years. time that came up, you're like, oh man, yeah. I got paid this money all over again. Crap. You yeah. know, mine was about to expire like in two months from the date that I was going back into the States. And they said, no, you're not coming through because your visa is going to expire in two months. I'm like, well, it's two months. I'll have my months. Right. right? Like, sorry, I ended up staying for two months. It took me two months of a dead of winter back in Innisfail, Alberta. Meanwhile, 
my whole life was down here. I had my bands and I was working and my drums and yeah. I'd already graduated school and I had all these visas in the works and producers, you know, hiring me for stuff, but I couldn't come back. I had to stay in Innisfail. Well, I did, I did come, I did come back at one point and did a Killer Dwarves tour. Oh, wow. Uh, well, I'll take, I'll take oh, things that are not on my resume for 400. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Just to back up. You just defended yes. poor Darren again. He loves the killer dwarfs. Well, so do I, but we all love yeah, We all love it, You have to be Canadian to appreciate that. Well, or course, hearing it yeah, here yeah. live on TikTok. Now everybody go check it out. Check it out. Jason, we, uh, we can't not admit that you and I both were bullet boys together. Yeah, we were. That's how we met. Was but that band, or is that some sort of sex group I don't know about? Or yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> most important was we actually recorded with Andy Johns together, and we kind of sealed our friendship by actually going in the studio together. And we worked with one of the greatest, you know, rock producers that did so many great records, Led Absolutely. Zeppelin. But Rolling he Stone also Van did Halen. Killer Dwarfs. Oh my God, he yeah. did do Killer Dwarfs. So he did it's like weapons. This- Oh it is. The, it, it's like a, everyone is connected in some way. If we did like a, a flow chart, <laughs> well, I mean, it, would go, it would go on for miles. Um, <laughs> but degrees of separation you know, for the killer dwarfs. Yeah. Actually, yeah. if you really think about that, because poor Andy Johns died, he was a t- terrible. Had a terrible alcohol problem, and uh, but um, but I mean, t- t- that was probably the coolest thing that came out of my experience in Bullet Boys was working with Andy Johns because, in retrospect, he's kind of ledge, you know, and worked did the Van Halen stuff. So you know, I had a billion questions about how that went down. And absolutely, and, yeah. and Andy and I used to go. We were I can't remember Cherokee Studios in Hollywood. Yeah, we did some of the tracking there, and so a- after the session, Andy and I would skip across the street to, to the bar and just sit there and tell stories i'd hear stories about zeppelin and van halen for hours while he got sloshed <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he would drive home okay. which reminds me just just a quick little insert i'm, I'm almost finished reading ted templeman's new book right highly, uh, highly recommended really dying ah. to read that. yeah andy did not uh, he had to come in and finish the that's uh, the uh, Cardinal Knowledge record, I think. Oh, really? Because they just could They were just all. They were all messed up, and they couldn't get organized. So, right. uh, so Andy was very abusive towards Ted. But it's a great book. I highly recommend it. I had so many things that Ted did that I had no idea about. Hmm, uh, wow. All the Doobie Brothers records and uh, sure Van Morrison. It's really a great book. Highly recommended. Is that cool. Ted's That's voice? Is that Ted's voice, voice on uh, on the uh, you know? You get some leg tonight for sure. Is that Ted's yes, voice? Yes, Come on, really? Dave. Give me a that, break. That is. There's a story about that. He he had a a high profile executive. I mean, you know, he was a like senior executive. Uh, Warner Brothers at, for Warner Brothers at yeah. the, on the staff, right? So he was like right. senior vice president or something like that. So he had an important meeting to go to with Mo Austin and all these heavy cats from the label right after the session so he came all dressed up in his business attire and the guys in van halen would couldn't lay off all the jokes <laughs> and, the, and the criticism yeah. and the sarcasm so like nice suit you're gonna get some leg tonight so that was all real wow i also found out from that book i know that i'm straying off the canadian topic here but 
the beginning of um, Hot for Teacher, that's that's actually, you, if you go back and listen to it, that's them that miking up the tailpipe of Eddie's new Lamborghini. Oh wow! It's really? not kick drums. You can, really? And then when if you go back and listen to it. It's crystal clear that that's not a drum kit because the drums start coming in after that. That's the Lamborghini. You know what I always thought it was? It was triggered those Simmons pads. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it's not. It's too dumb. random. And I, well, I figured out a way to kind of do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so did he. <laughs> yeah, right. But he yeah, right. that's what he did later. But that's amazing. We, so go right. back and listen to it after this, and you'll go, "Wow, that's a car!" So many, so many kids cried themselves to sleep because they couldn't play that. If only they had yeah, a Lamborghini. No, no, it's it's totally random when you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when does the drums kick in on the? Ka, ka, ka. No, it just comes in with toms. It goes, dum, 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 okay. dum, dum, yeah, yeah, yeah. with a ride and a tom, and then then it starts to switch into drums. <laughs> okay, yeah. it'll be it'll it's crystal. Once you hear, it, you go, that's exactly what that is. There's no way that's a kick drum. Wow, so that's oh. in the book. That's Fitzy, it's uh, a Gary from Thunder yeah. Bay. Uh, give him a plug here, Comics Plus. Um, who I who oh, I personally delivered place. the two series to, and uh, he can remember that he's uh, he's laughing at the time that you brought Jason over, and you guys were uh, admiring his '79 Paul Stanley Iceman. Uh, when would when would that have been? When would that have been? Oh, <laughs> uh, we came through. Okay, so Gary has an amazing comic store in Thunder Bay. We have to plug Comics Plus, and he's got such a great. Kiss collection as well, and yeah, I think he had an Iceman that we checked out, and Jason, we were with Vince Neil, I would assume. We came through Thunder Bay. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. We went to somebody's basement or something. That was Gary. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. Gary from Thunder Bay. And um, I thought there, there's no way there's anyone who's more obsessed about Kiss than I am, and then that's like, okay, there is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there yeah. always is, brother. There always yeah. The, the comic book store is uh, in the front. Well, that's the. You guys should point that out, though. Yeah, exactly. You guys. You have an Iceman now. You guys have played with. You guys have played together in in Vince Neil. Uh, I think you did a quick stint in Alice Cooper together, but you guys have played together in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, we have. Well, uh, well, Vince, cool is, boy, you know, Vince Neil and Alice Cooper. Um, yeah. Yeah, Brent has always been very good at helping me out. I have, uh, he would always scoop me up. Yeah. <laughs> me but there is something bacon. to be said for the, the Canadian gravitational pull of kind yeah. of knowing your own and our work ethic and just knowing that the path will travel. Like when you said your story about your dad helping you out crossing the border, like I can relate. Everybody that's, yeah. you know, in Tuk Tok, we all kind of, you know, it's, it's never an easy uh, path traveled like Todd and I have, have uh, you know been blessed we've we've kind of said to ourselves hey it's you know it's great that we've played together in the same band for over a decade now but our path coming from the prairies making it down to LA was not the same path that you know and playing in a band with like Slash who you know even though he was uh, he was born in like the UK but like you know he kind of grew up mostly in LA and Corey you're from Moose Jaw and that's pretty small and Shane, you're from an even smaller place. So, like, to come from, you know, these little towns and then... So, because I knew you were from Ontario and we, you know, we liked Kiss. It's oh, kind of easy. It's perfect. <laughs> it's I easy. Move, Wait, you like I to kiss? Geek your, uh, it, it, Fitz asked me to help him 
move. He had to get out of his apartment. So they found him. They bought a place. And then I was like the only guy that showed up to help in the rain. Wow. Keep all of your furniture. <laughs> wow. You know what? That's, that's important. You know what? Find who your real friends are. When you need to move, and everybody's like, yeah. oh, man, that, today I'm busy. Jason yeah. showed up with headband on, ready to <laughs> help me move the damn fridge. Like, I'll never yeah. forget that, buddy. That's, that's a friend, that's, man. That's a friend. Well, I'm well, glad I have, have you guys, because I... You guys should all come over this weekend. I gotta move some stuff. So uh, yeah. <laughs> what year was Just, that, Fitz? Oh gosh, well, two thousand three. So you know, it's funny when we look back, Jason, because you and I do not live in LA anymore, and we both have been in Vegas for a, a long time. But at one yeah, time, how long have you been in Vegas, Jason? I was trying to figure this out. I I moved out here in two thousand eleven. Oh, that long? Eleven? Yeah, wow. so almost. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. It's a great yeah. town, though, right? I love Vegas. Yeah, I, it, it's it's fantastic because you know L.A. was just getting too expensive. I got a I bought a condo there that was way overpriced, and it was taking every dollar I made just to keep the lights on, and uh, and it was just stupid, you know. And and then uh, you know all the guys in the band uh, were slowly migrating out to Vegas because at that time the housing crisis had just started. Oh, and I know. Vegas was half price every on sale. I know. Yeah, I know. I, I made the same move, you know. <clears throat> yeah. I, I didn't have a lot of money back in 2011, but I said to my fiance, I said, we are going to Vegas and taking advantage of this opportunity because there's foreclosures all the way down every street. Yeah. Take mm -hmm. your pick. Yeah. Take your pick. They're, they're, they're giving houses away. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's fascinating. You know what's the best stories, though? The Vince Neil Poison Tour. Those are the best stories oh, anybody ever tells. <laughs> the fighting, like the Vince Neil's beating up half of Poison and all that stuff was just, <laughs> wow. It's, every time a story gets told, it's like, it, it's as if, like, there should have been, like, a documentary made about that tour. It must have just been nuts. Jason and you I know? are sworn to secrecy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how deep we either of us want to go into that. No, I know. Give us I the Coles notes. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> I, I will tell you that it was by far the most fun I've ever had playing in any band. Yeah. Oh, I bet. I bet. And so that, that was, was most. Awesome. You know why? Because Vince was never around. He would go and stay at the Ritz Carlton all day. Right. In a suite. Right. And and so it was just the tour bus. Brent, myself, and the bass player on the bus at the festival, at the show, all day. We were, So it was like, we didn't have a singer. He would just come up, he would just show up at showtime, sing, and then <laughs> go back to the hotel. <laughs> so it was like the three of us had our own little vacation on the bus. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we yeah. kind of, uh, Brent and I were glued at the hip and kind of uh, didn't pay too much attention to the bass player. So he didn't know what to do, but he, Brent and I were like, it was our band, our bus. It was like, boy, we, we got <laughs> Dude, some our, too. Our, our awesome tour manager, Jack, Jack Carson, Hart? he used to call us Terrence and Phillip, <laughs> which is <laughs> of a reference as you could get. Yeah. The Corsican twins. Yeah. The Corsican no, that was, that was South Park, right? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, the two Canadian characters from South Park. Oh, okay. How long was that stint? 
it was like a, a summer and a half. Maybe? Yeah. 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 Well, the thing about when I got to Vince Neil gig, and I got to hand it to Brent again, you know, they really tried to lowball me financially. And Brent, having had already been in the gig for a year or two years, uh, said, don't accept anything lower than X, because you know they're going to come at you with some bullshit number. Right. And I said, oh, oh okay, because, you know, I wanted the gig, because it was just the next step mm -hmm. up for me. And and they knew that. And so, they, you know, of course, they come in with some really ridiculous lowball offer. And he said, don't do it. They have the money. They can pay you just... Don't go lower than this. So I said, okay. So I, I stood my ground. I said, I won't go lower than this. And they said, okay. Well, you're still cheaper than Blando. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then I went with Blando. Yeah. I'd like to yeah, point well, out really quickly that uh, Darren just threw out the term Cole's notes, which we have to backtrack on for it. Cole's notes is a reference to the term cliff notes, but. In Canada, there was a bookstore <laughs> called Coles. <laughs> they used to make their own version right. called Coles Notes. Of so course, you don't have to. Just, of course, I know exactly what you're talking I, about. It's right a Canadian show, damn it. I'm making sure everybody else knows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It goes by and everybody goes like, did that guy just say Coles Notes? What is it? What is it? Yeah. I, love, yeah. I love hearing Canadianisms. It's my favorite thing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's amazing. So then you went from Vince. How long was the time between? Then it went. Then you is that when you went to Hillary Duff? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, what had happened was um, that's a pretty sweet gig, though, for what it was at that time. You know, I mean, yeah, I, she she was she was uh, the you know the uh, the the biggest most popular pop star of the moment. Absolutely, yeah, and. Um, uh, I remember being really jealous, Jason, because you were playing these massive sold-out arenas, and I went to see you, and I was like, holy shit, this is like super fandom, but you were kind of coming off the, uh, you know, well, let's just say that you were always smart at navigating opportunities and different gigs, and like every gig I saw you do, you kind of were still being yourself, but you kind of like were able to, you know, to, to say that you've played with Hilary Duff, that says a lot, you know, about your ability in navigating a career in, in this business, right? Well, I, I'd i like to think so. I, I mean, it was like this. I remember Vince Neil coming on the bus and talking to Nikki Six on the phone in the back, and then he'd come up to the front lounge and say, it looks like there might be a Motley reunion. Yeah, right. And as soon as I heard that, I thought, okay, well, that's the end of this. I better start putting my Periscope up. Right. And the the and I got a phone call for Lizzie McGuire. Uh, right. She wasn't she wasn't a touring anything at the time. I was in her first version of the band. Wow. So she was an actress, right? Yeah, yeah. And, of course, yeah. and then the the mother who was very creative was like, we got to get Hillary to also be a singer actress. Sure. So they assembled this record and it went double platinum or whatever with the mm -hmm. So Yesterday and all that stuff. So there and at the time it was very hip to have a, like a rock and roll pop female yeah. singer. Avril Lavigne, um, electric guitars, that was uh -huh. the presentation at the time. So um, so they were like, we want to kind of make her, we want to give her like a rock and roll band. And right, then somebody right. said, "Well, I know the guy." Right. <laughs> so, so I uh, so I went from Vince Neil to 
being the rock guy in Hillary Duff's band. But that's an amazing, like, to, to, like, like Bram was saying, transitioning from one thing. It, it's all steps up, you know. I mean, you're, you know, heading into a whole different world, and the experiences you get in all these different things, they sort of are part of your uh, entire journey when you get to wherever you you want to go. You know what I mean? It's the buddy it system, though. It's a recommendation because someone goes, yeah. "Hey, that's the right guy. That guy yeah. is awesome." And actually, yeah. you know. Um, your movie, Jason, which is awesome, we've all seen it, Hired yeah, Guns, awesome. actually yeah. is sort of, I, I say the underlying current on that too is is a lot to do with the buddy system and being ready for when someone recommends you for a gig. And mm -hmm. you clearly have navigated that of, you know, through several different types of um, gigs and opportunities where you were working for somebody else, in essence, right? Until you get to something that you can kind of call your own, having your own band and writing your own songs and and you know fast writing your own ticket yeah yeah being in charge of your own yep i mean uh my journey has been a very weird one but um but you know we all have the desire to continue to climb the ladder whatever the ladder represents i mean it's it's human nature to want to grow and build and more and bigger and faster and better and mm -hmm. And more, you know, so, I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to retiring. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's like, doesn't it feel like this is like retirement practice that we're going through right now? Like, it's like, it, it is. And I, I love it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. for the first time in a long time, there's no impending deadline approaching. I know. Whether, I know. Doesn't, it, it never used to matter, like, if they say, but you guys had three months off. Yes, yes, we did, and that was nice. But it was three months knowing that you're still going back to jail. Yeah. Like, so you're, so you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean to be derogatory about the touring thing, but but basically, touring is very, very difficult. I don't think anyone could ever. Nobody, people that don't tour can never appreciate no. how physically demanding it is to change time zones, take flights, get up early, make lobby call, make the sound check, get back to the dressing room, get play the show, get showered, get back in your bunk, drive on a bumpy thing, blah, 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 with a guy snoring across the hall. Yeah, and get that, you know, and do it, do it, and then then you have a month off, and then you're going to do the same thing in Europe. In Europe, you start right out of the gate. When you go to Europe, you're wiped out because you're yeah. 11 hours up, upside down. So you begin yeah. a six-week tour mangled. Absolutely. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Jason, yeah. where, where do you yeah. see yourself if, if yeah, you could do it all over again and, and music wasn't on the table? Is there something else? I mean, you talked a little bit about doing the computer thing and, of course, but, you know, sneaking across the border and saying, hey, I'm going to go down there and make it. Any other passion? If you could, if you I mean, not to take away from the musical side of things, but if you had to do something else, what would your choice be? I probably well, I probably would have been s scooped up in the computer realm somehow because I was, I, and I still am very much fascinated with computers and software, and um, so much Skype. I'm kind of a nerd that way. So, I, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I got it working on. You know, I had to go through three devices before the thing would work. <laughs> um, That's allowed. But see, the thing is, th but there's. Well, it doesn't matter. Anyway, but the thing is, yeah, I probably would have been sucked up into some company doing graphics or webs or... So, so to tie into, into the movie, was that 
obviously it was a take on the fact that you're a musician or it was the love of film part of that or is that something that you're looking to get into as well well I, I mean I love documentaries and I think that yeah. I'll watch a documentary on anything um, yeah. just because I love to learn it's all information you know the ra raising the Kursk Russian submarine or whatever right. well, let's, yeah. see, let's see how that happened why did it <laughs> well, I mean how they get it up off the ocean floor I mean hey, the anatomy of an, an oil drill or something whatever I mean right. I'll watch anything because I like because you because you don't get to see that stuff so no. I always loved the behind the music series and I think everyone thought this is great we used to call it behind the cocaine because it just seemed like every <laughs> every story ended with somebody screwing the whole band up because they were involved in cocaine yeah but, exactly um, yeah. um but and I I didn't I didn't really I didn't really want to pursue a uh, a career in filmmaking so I didn't care if I pissed anyone off <laughs> I, right, I was going right. I was going to expose the dirt sure yeah yeah um, do you have any further interest in doing is there any other project like that that has come down the pipeline for you or anything you're working on that might go that way well film wise I, that is yeah there is actually um, now that we've had now that we have nothing but time on our hands uh, you know I own the hired gun franchise um, right. solely so there has been I got approached actually on the possibility of doing a, uh, a series. Oh, cool! Um, so that's we're developing a series right now, and I'm and I'm I'm doing it with um, our our manager too, who is a v extremely savvy businessman, and will have all kinds of creative ideas on how to make it successful. Um, it's very difficult idea. to do the creative part, and then the administration and the marketing and the you know sure. Yeah, all that stuff too. By the time that we that movie was done, we were fried. We I had know, nothing, yeah. no gas in the tank to do anything with it. To uh, it needed to have the second phase handled by a marketing company or something like that. You know, sure, but yeah, yeah, it's all good. Absolutely, that's fantastic. I mean, I, it's the kind of thing you probably could do volume two, three, four, five. It could go on forever, really. I mean, well, yes, because there's never going to be a shortage of guys, you know, playing in bands and and, and oh, different musicians. Some good stuff know. on there, man. I actually we're, we're carving up the pilot right now for the series, and uh, it's the the pilot is the uh, three doors down story with the guy who I mean they were all messed up, and the guy had vehicular manslaughter or whatever went to oh, prison and it was a big fat mess um hmm. but um yeah we had 150 hours of interviews wow, wow. And a lot of it didn't and so the, if the movie was 90 minutes i mean do the math on how much leftover interview there is there like and we talked, five we talked to Bob Estrin for four hours we talked to David Foster yeah. for four hours Alice Cooper we talked to uh Eric Singer for 16 yeah. hours sure <laughs> <laughs> actually he did uh, all the talking about. yeah I was going to say that's no joke <laughs> hey it, if I remember correct Jason um when we first, uh, as KISS fans, I remember introducing you to Eric, and that was kind of like a pinnacle at the time. You were like, hey, I'm all good. I just met Eric. <laughs> I met Eric. Oh, yeah. And I, and I completely fanboyed out on him, and he was like, okay, great. Get this guy away from me immediately. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You, you left a great impression, and I, I would say for sure, because of your 
you know, relationship and knowing Eric that he, he absolutely recommended and brought you in. And, uh, you know, as, as you know, Alice Cooper said in your movie, how, you know, yeah. you were, were like a wanted guy. Alice saw you and, and, uh, and wanted you in the band. I didn't even know that story until I saw the interview in the movie. Really? That's amazing. I didn't even know that. I didn't, the whole bit about him bringing his daughter down to the theater in Phoenix and watching our show and saying, write that name down. I had no idea. I thought I, I, I mean, Eric, Eric, you and Eric were instrumental in getting me that gig. And then I had to go audition for Carrie Kelly. Again, it's always the buddy system. And you sort of like, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I've worked with a lot of great people in bands. And usually when, you know, something else is coming around, you go, well, I just worked with this guy. This, this is, you know, this guy's great. The, the refer, referral care has more weight than anything. You can sit there going, I'm the guy, I'm the guy, I'm the guy. And they're like, yeah, fantastic. Right. But if somebody says, oh, yeah. I have the guy, because you know why? They have no stake in it. They, they have no, there's no motive other than to just be helpful. And they're not yeah. going to stick their reputation on the line or stick their neck out and recommend yeah. somebody that's going to make them look bad. Of course. Yeah. So it really, that really is the whole essence. That's, that's how I... That's how I've been invited into every single thing. As somebody says, I know a guy, he can do it. He's a nice Canadian boy. <laughs> I remember I was on tour with uh, Theory of a Dead Man. We were on the road in like Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. And uh, Corey was playing the same, uh, the same city that night with Kelly Clarkson. And I had just heard, like, oh, Kelly's got this awesome Canadian guitar player in her band, and he's from Moose Jaw. And I didn't know for it at all, other than I had heard about this guy that was playing with Shania as well. So I actually went to the show just to go see Corey, because I was, like, impressed with, you know, someone that came from the prairies that was that was in Shania and Kelly's band. So, and, and look where we are now. <laughs> all locked in our houses. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. All bored senseless. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Well, that's what we always talk about too. That's a similar situation with you guys and the re- recommendations within Slash. I mean, we always look at you know you've got the understudies you know to your left and right, and um, you know at any given time you guys got a perfect fill in, right? That's exactly of course. it. Yeah, that's how it works. <clears throat> that's how it works. Uh, that's how it works. People help people they like. That's true. And people that will make them look good. That's true. And and we all know that nine times out of ten, there are really talented people who are a nightmare. You know what I mean? Like like who are, they got a drug thing, or they got some girlfriend who's a disaster, or whatever. And and then there's guys who are just, you know, who can hang, or good players. Those guys always get the call. Yeah, Jason and I were talking, because we do keep in touch, and I was mentioning to Jason my, I call it the triple threat, which is, you know, it's as a musician you've got obviously you got to be able to play your your instrument but you know the ability to actually convey yourself singing wise not lead singer not like todd but you know having the the vocabulary of music being able to communicate when writing songs and you know just that that's an advantage to being you know not just well i just only play guitar so most of the guys that I, I like to write songs with and work in bands, which is everybody I'm talking to right now, is multifaceted and multi-talented at so many things. And I just sort of get more out of it because, you know, it just, it, to me, that's, 
that's just what I gravitate to is guys who who are good, you know, singers and and musicians at the same time. Well, yeah, it's uh, there's so many more factors involved than just like I guess it depends on the gig because some people hire a guy based on like we just need you to play guitar. No, no, no. Don't think so much. Don't sing. Just play the guitar. Shut up. But when you want to be creative, you generally kind of lean towards guys who can... It's a lot, it must be a lot, lot harder than, say, 30, yeah. 35 years ago when it was just, you know, what does he look like and does he own his own mic, right? It's like, you know, thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it does matter, too. I mean, you actually have to know how to, you know, fit in. And, and you know, I remember, you know, Jason, when we, when we played with Vince, you know, it's like you got to kind of morph yourself into the gig a bit, you know, and, and that's, that's a big... That's a big part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Jason, given yeah. the fact that we're all sitting here talking about isolation, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Um, I'm just writing songs. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. That's that's the best uh, thing to do. Yeah, I think Jason wins the prize. You wrote all the, the the biggest songs of all of us here, and I think you have like hit songs on the radio right now. So uh, I will. I assure you, he does. You're always on the radio. Jason wins. Jason wins. (laughs) Well, I can't take full credit. I mean, there are, you know, just the band. But I, somebody else had mentioned earlier that uh, doing, uh, it was um, Derry that said that uh, uh, he likes to prepare. And I'm I'm so insecure about being unprepared that I over-prepare. So I never want to show up on day one of a record saying, what do you got? I don't know. What do you got? What do you got? You know, I, right. I, that, I mean, I did that once with the band and it was a colossal nightmare for me. So I, I figured that'll never happen again. So I would, you know, if, if I knew we were doing a record in May, I would start writing in November. Right. You know, because right. I just figured the more you have available, the better the chances are you're going to whittle it down to your good ones. Of course, yeah. You know, cause it's, yeah. And they used to always make fun of me when I'd make this analogy with darts. Writing songs is like throwing darts. If they said you got eight seconds to hit ten bullseyes, yeah. what are the chances? But if you said right. you got eight months to get ten bullseyes, well, sure. that's no, bro- no problem. Yeah, like sure, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, so I would just, you know, you, I mean, you're not just, you're just not going to be able to get 10 bullseyes by writing 10 songs. So I would always make sure I would try to come up with as much to pick through as possible um, so that so that you had some uh, some, some kind of insurance policy. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And uh, so, and that's why I had this room built because I, I hate working with people breathing over my shoulder. Right. Or people going, what if you went there? What if you tried this? What if that went here? What if, that, oh. <laughs> yeah, what if yeah, you went no. home? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easy. Uh, so I, I, that, you know, so I always, I'd like to document the ideas so that I can present them in a, in a, after I've, after it's come out of my head, I can present it go, this is how it goes. Sure. You know, yeah. instead of having to explain it, you know, or yeah. hope it people would pursue it you know that is always the easiest yeah we've kind of been in kemper mode with two kind of a lot of like fly dates and stuff you're, you're kemper guy right i'm i've got i've got one of everything matter of fact i probably have two of everything but um like behind me today's 
I don't know if it, if I'm getting that on today. I've got what it's over there. I've got the 5150 Stealth and an old JCM 800. And then if I come over here, I've got I don't know if you can see that, but there's the camper over there. Yeah, right in the, in the rack. What gets and, the most use? Well, it's kind of I, I do all my all of the lead work I do. I mic up my Marshall, uh, just because. I've got it dialed in, and it's yeah, it just stays that way. But for rhythms and stuff, um, I've been using the camper because there's a lot of writing and re repetition with the rhythms, and and it, I don't have to blast it in the house, you know. Mm -hmm. Plus, you, I take the DI out of the camper too it's simultaneously, so I'm printing the the sound of the camper and the DI, and they conveniently both come out the back, so it's a real nice package in a stereo track. Um, I need to do that. Yeah. It, and then, you know, you can even feed the DI back into the camper. I mean, it's just, it's a nice little package. And I've got, you know, 6 billion camper profiles that we've, I've traded with everybody. And so you can quickly find stuff, make it a favorite, find, oh, there's a good one, make it a favorite. And then you can have all these, you know, somebody else did all the work. Right. I'll be finding new things yeah. now, exactly. staying home. The last time and I, you can, and cause it's, yeah, and you can change your mind later because you get the DI. So, you know. What were you saying, Corey? I was, I was just saying that the last time I recorded the DI clean signal to Pro Tools to reamp later, I ended up tweaking for like a week. Is that the right sound? Is that the right sound? Is that the right sound? <laughs> right. You might, There's like, something to be said about so, it. So, I like, uh, you know, now, now I just print it because I'm like, that's the sound. I'm going to use that. Let's move on, you know, because, yep. you know, the tweaking is endless when you have, like you said, 60,000 Kemper profiles. It's like you can, you know, uh, you, you know, I understand that. There's that something to be said about committing to a sound like that's it. Let's move on. <laughs> well, that, I understand that's the options. That's what I would do. I mean, your brother, uh, Kevin, would come over here and set and make sure that I was properly mic'd up for solos. And then I would he said, now you can touch this stuff. Don't touch this. <laughs> like you can play with your pedals, but all of this over here, don't touch any of this. So it's pretty, pretty funny. So I, it's still set that way. Like from six still years not, ago, still afraid to touch it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. I'm not touch it because you know we got. It. If you get it right, you leave it. You know. What do you like cabinet? What do you like cabinet? I um I blend a. A Royer 121 ribbon with uh, SM57. Yeah, classic. I, I, I submix them before they get to the computer. Classic That's why sound. I can't touch it. The blends and, and yeah. EQs are all what, preset. What pre? Well, um, I've got a, I got some Vintech stuff here that we used. Uh, it's a basically Neve clone, and the Neve I've got. Vintech preamps and Neve EQ. Yo. Okay, enough tech talk. Talk about the yeah. guy that punched out poison. Just kidding. Uh, I know, right? I know. It's I, like, I, I could I'm talk just kidding. here all day long. I know. It's not very exciting. We all can, I know. I got one more question, though. Is that a prestige guitar behind you? Where? Down oh, the shoulder. You're right. What's what is that? that? Guitar right there? This? Yeah, what is that? Oh, that's, that's a BC Rich. Oh, wow. that headstock looks a lot like the Prestige. Okay, right. Can I see the headstock? I see. Uh, Where's your Iceman? Yeah, it's, 
No, I I have three ice bins, by the way. It's of course you do. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. That's cool. Um, this is good because it's got, this is tuned to be standard with a drop A. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I've, I, you know, I don't even, if I need um, a guitar for a tuning, I'll have, I won't even that fuck with the tuning of my guitars. I just grab another guitar. Because yeah. you know how once they settle, you don't yeah. want to keep going, you know, like that. Oh, I know. So if I'm looking for a certain, if I want to write something in a certain way, um, I do it. I just grab the guitar that is ready to go for that tuning. And, and what are you playing there right now? What kind of guitar is that? Oh, this is just a, a Yamaha they gave me uh, a while back. And, you know, they're really high-quality really instruments, the Yamaha. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful... Do you I mean, think I, of another company that makes pianos, guitars, <laughs> snowmobiles, motorbikes? motorbikes. Yeah. I know. Right? Uh, I always say to any Yamaha... I always say to Yamahars, like, oh, do you get a deal on a motorbike, or how does that work? Well, I... you know, hold I don't on. think that Apparently works. not. I, think it's different. I just did a, a video shoot for Yamaha acoustic guitars. And yeah, I, asked, you did. I asked those questions. I said... Now, can you get a, a motorbike at a cheaper deal, or <laughs> just trying to work work some angles? And they're like, "No, actually, you can't." It it's a totally end. different part of the company. <laughs> they, totally, they, yeah, totally yeah. different uh, departments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think I was just gonna say they're the biggest uh, music company in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah really? it's like Roland. Yeah. They'll yeah. make like yeah. printers on uh, one yeah, side, but, and then on the other side, they're doing digital audio as well, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, you have your own signature model, Jason, and Todd and Corey have their own signature model guitars. Yeah, I know. Uh, that, that, well, Gibson so. is, that Gibson is bitching, dude. So is there any further uh, variations on your guitar that you're planning to come up with, or like different colors, different finishes, different... I don't know. I mean, Gibson reached out to me last week, and uh, they just want to make sure that because the, the whole infrastructure there changed the whole yeah. um, hierarchy the management the president and every, everything got flipped upside down but for the better it's yeah, pretty awesome yeah. Yeah. yeah and actually you know that uh, the old guy Henry was trying to replicate Yamaha and what Yamaha does right. with snow, snowblowers motorcycles and <laughs> pianos and you know he, he, was trying to turn, he was trying to turn Gibson into a Yamaha type brand. So he barbecues, up, <laughs> Gibson barbecues. Yeah, no, <laughs> they were they were buying up um, KRK, Onkyo. Uh, they did pan. They bought Panasonic, and they. Wow. they and uh, I don't mean to be critical, but they they he overextended and then couldn't pay all the debt back, and then they had to file Chapter Eleven. Yeah. And then they removed him. Mm. Yes. And now they're yeah. just all about guitars again, which is, I think, a that's right. Bad. Well, it was, um, it was, he got Gibson, he, he bought Gibson for $30 million in the late 80s when Gibson wasn't, you know, Gibson, at that period, it was all Kramer, Jackson, yeah. Floyd Rose, Super Rats, yeah. 80s guitars, right? So he bought Gibson for $30 million because it just wasn't popular. It wasn't in vogue. And then when Slash came along, uh, and Never heard. and they kind of changed back to, you know, Ronka Ronka kind of rock and roll. Mm -hmm. um, and Gibson became very popular again. And he took the company from $30 million 
to 600 million or something, you know. Wow. So he thought, I think he thought, I have the magic touch, you know. So I'm going to do that with everything. I'll buy Baldwin piano, I'll buy, fun, you know. Slingerland drums. Exactly, bought everything under the moon. If you could just then, find the slash at every one of those different things, he would have been able to do that, but it doesn't, yeah. It, it was really, it really, it really was just the luck of the, the fashion. Yeah. You're right, because we all bought Les Pauls back then for next to nothing. I still have, you know, Les Pauls from back then. Yeah, and it was. It doesn't work like that anymore. <laughs> it was, uh, it was not very popular in the 80s. Les Pauls no. were big, clunky, heavy. They weren't shredder guitars until, you know. Later on, yeah. Till later on when the, when yeah. the whole music, uh, popular music changed into something else, you know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, as it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has been fantastic. Well, awesome. Was that the was that yeah. was that the Coles? I believe it was. Yeah, on Jason Hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I could go on for days and days and days, but uh, I know, I know. It's the, we're, we barely scratched the surface. But that's well, part of the fun of it. I'll come on again if you guys want six of months course. from now and six months. Six months. months. <laughs> six weeks six days just, just yeah, stay well, on just keep, I like your, uh, keep to your seat like Todd yeah. exactly exactly think, uh, Jason because you and Todd are so close you can go over to Todd's house and uh, socially distance play his vintage Kiss Pinball Machine and Jason already Todd, has that Jason oh. already has a vintage one don't you have a vintage I, one no have, no you I go to Jason's both. and you go and he play has a new Jason. one yeah but I Jason has both. both yeah he yeah. has them both yeah he's a uh, yeah, I got the uh, red powder-coated limited edition. Wow. Um, the new one. Yeah. Um, it was like eight grand. I think I've played it seven times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. A thousand dollars a pop. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, I'm like, what? I, why did I, I do this? Why do I do this? This is stupid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's like, and it's too heavy to take upstairs, so it lives in my dining room. It's like it's totally out of place. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Mine's right here. It's right here. Yeah. And I you have it. three Icemen, and I do have what the other original PS PS Ten from '79, mint condition. Ooh. Yeah, and then I and then I um, foolishly bought the cracked mirror uh, reissue. Oh, well, it was God. just really expensive, and I took it out on tour and played it just to get some pictures of me playing it but then it was pretty cool actually because people, yeah, people like, say, yeah. we shot a video for the a live video for our original song and todd you actually uh, have uh well our friend brad's uh iceman made a cameo in the video right yeah yeah it's uh he had it done in rhinestones so it was just oh, kind of okay. like yeah I'll play this next yeah. thing i know it's filmed and it's in a video so there you go but they're, they're really fun guitars man you know it's like there's a guy named Nash Cato who plays in a band called Urge Overkill, and he plays exclusively Iceman's or PS10s, whatever you want to call them. And it just—he's got like gold tops with P90s. He's got like uh, silver sparkle with like tel you know, like like 